Welcome back to the Golf Life Faith Podcast. My name is Jace Barber. I'm one of your hosts. I've got my co-host, Toby Raglan here. Toby, how's it going? It's going great. You've got a great setup this morning. You know, you've got girl, your girls all running throughout the house, and so you decided to go sit in the car. Yeah, it's talk, actually talk, talk 56 us through, degrees talk in us, Jacksonville right now. Talk us through that decision <laughs> and how you came to sitting in your driver's seat. Well, there's absolutely no planning for when a large amount of noise is going to happen, um, especially even at, you know, 7, 10 a.m. Uh, here in Jacksonville. So uh, decided to come sit in the car. Uh, there's a lot of birds in the background. I don't think you can hear it, uh, but it does sound a little bit like being at Augusta. Um, yes. I mean, I only know being a viewer. Um, I still think they pipe in some of the, the bird noises for the telecast, but. That's just because they yeah, know. Yes. Maybe Sean can confirm that for yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. So our guest today is coming back on the show, PGA Tour uh, lead, comma, editorial. We've talked about that many times. You can go listen to the other podcast. Uh, but Sean, welcome back. Thanks for being on for this little bonus episode highlighting the Masters and really a lot that is encompassed in that. So Sean, buddy, thanks for being back. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's a great time of year. Um, I mean, everyone's excited about the Masters, so I'm excited to talk about it. I know, I love it. So let's uh, let's just jump in. Give us some like initial thoughts. You know, you know, Sean, what you're thinking, Toby. You can kind of give what you're thinking. Um, wh- what excites you about this year and things coming up? I, I know this is the first time I'm going to the Masters since I was ten, so I'm pumped. I think Toby, is this your first time going, or have you gone before? Never been. This will be my first time. Back yep. in 2001, my dad and I were planning to go um, up for one of the practice rounds and playing a you know touch game of football in PE. I break my right ankle oh and my. get on those crutches, man. Wasn't oh. able to go. So, wow! Tiger yeah. won a U.S. Open on a broken leg. You couldn't watch the Masters on a broken ankle. <laughs> Great. Uh, yeah, that's great. All right. So Sean, give us some, so give, just give us some of the, you know, leading into top of your head, things that you've you kind of looked at. What, what excites you about this year and the masters? Yeah, I think especially this year, the thing that sets it apart is just the amount of players playing well and, and top players. So you've got Scotty Scheffler's on a run, just like he was last year going into the masters. Um, Rory, we've seen flashes of good signs. He started the year with a win. Um, he seems to be, have found something with the, the driver and the putter at the match play. Um, John Rahm is still John Rahm. We've maybe seen a little bit of a downturn in his form just slightly ever since the West coast, but still was so dominant. You know, we were talking about, um, John Rahm just dominating this whole year at the West coast and how quickly things change and Scotty pops in the picture. So you kind of have that. Um, I hate to say big three, but they've definitely kind of separated themselves. And then even throwing Max home into that group who's played so well. Um, so just, stars playing really well and it just feels like maybe we'll get one of those great showdowns where it's a you know max versus rory or something like that and then you just have the baked in storylines like rory going for the career grand slam and it's just gonna be a life-changing week for whoever does win so i think um the matches is always exciting but it's always nice when the big names are playing well going into it yeah and i mean and then on top of that you know we've got like the fifth ranked player in the world cam smith who hasn't played in in a world ranking tournament and who knows how long and he's still fifth and then you've got all these past champions there's a little bit of the live component i think that adds even another layer to it there's definitely that there's gonna be a lot of talk around that around the golf ball you've got you're gonna have a lot of storylines um but i think and that always takes up kind of the oxygen 
you know, Tuesday through let's say Thursday, but I feel like once balls are in the air, um, it's about the golf. And, and even if it is kind of a live guy versus a tour guy, um, it's still more about who wins the masters than anything else. And so, um, yeah, I think it's a great recipe for, for a great masters. No, that's good. And I love how you talked about, uh, the, the guys that are in the hot and like kind of the storylines going in because Kyle Porter tweeted about Scotty's strokes gained last year going into, and then this year going into, and it's literally over a hat half shot better from January to April this year than it was last year. And he was having such a good year last year. Um, so it's just exciting to see kind of what comes from the way these guys are playing because they're playing good. Toby, what about you? What are you pumped about? Well, I'm a man, that stat of Scotty being that much better in strokes gained, um, this year versus that you said January through April, last year versus this year. Yeah. Two and a half. And then this year's 3.05. Yeah, so even if you're one of the best, keep getting better. Love it. Mm. I mean, I mean Scotty's uh, since November, Scotty's worst finish is 12th in a tournament. Mm. Rough week. That, that's pretty good. Wow. Yeah. Oh, so what am I most excited about? Well, being able to be on property for the first time, I'm absolutely pumped. Um, going with my wife, Lindsay. Mm. Uh, we're going to go on Monday and excited to walk around the course. And just kind of see how all the holes fit together, and I'm I'm committed to seeing every single hole. Um, so that's going to be fun. And just, I can't believe Buddy never had you guys play in the uh, Augusta Intercollegiate, where you play Sunday and then you get the practice badges for Monday. As a former yeah, Masters competitor I himself, I, I missed uh, I missed the fact that we could have made that happen some way. But honestly, uh, though, there, there was a. Play. There was a tradition where if you were a U.S. amateur champion and you remained amateur, you were like a non-competing invitee and you could play um, practice rounds. You could hit balls on the range. They've since done away with that, I believe. But I Buddy think, may not have wanted to chaperone you guys around and, and instead be able to play practice rounds and hit balls at Augusta. So maybe that played into the decision. I think yeah, but, he couldn't have chaperoned us around. He, he would have <laughs> uh, had to rein us in. But he, he would go and play the practice rounds. Um, he maybe did that a couple times when I was in school and we knew it was happening when he started traveling with a few of his, his wedges and, and stuff to tournaments and he'd start hitting balls. Uh, we knew he had the, uh, preparation work going in for the part three. So, <laughs> yeah. And I think they, they did that until just recently, like a few years ago, they got rid of that. Which I thought yeah, was a I remember. Cool I mean, I, I was at the Masters not that long ago, and Al Geiberger was teeing off the the 10th tee just for a practice round on a, a Tuesday, I think, by himself, like 5 p.m. for a quick, like, afternoon nine holes, which, That's I mean, awesome. you, you can't beat a solo uh, afternoon nine than the back nine at Augusta. While it's set up for the tournament. So good. Man. So, Sean, uh, going back to Scotty Scheffler, um, you recently were on another podcast. I'm pretty sure the last time we did this podcast, you were on the same podcast previously. Um, you talked. I have, to, I have a cadence. Yeah, you do. It's great. <laughs> it's great. Just get into a rhythm. So we can, the next time you're on that one, we'll have you back on again. We'll just kind of keep this routine going. Um, but you guys talked a lot about uh, Scotty again. We had um, Scotty and Meredith back on the Golf Life Faith last year after he won the Masters. Talked a lot about identity. Um, but I love what you talked about this you know, most recent one where you're kind of talking about mindset and just how it played into his golf um, and to his life, kind of just all of it coming together. Um, and I'd love for you to kind of share a little bit about that. And you know, well, Toby and I'll 
give you some questions as we get going, but just kind of talk about Scott. Let's just kind of talk about Scotty as we're going into the masters and um, just how all of this, all of his life kind of plays into him playing golf and could be helpful. Yeah. And I think the genesis of it was, it was Sunday morning of the players. I want to say Scotty had a three shot lead over a bunch of guys that really hadn't won on tour. It definitely seemed like Scotty's tournament to win. And, you know, you look at Augusta national and TPC sawgrass and they are very different golf courses. Um, TPC is maybe kind of confining, uh, off the tee. It's got awkward angles. You really have to kind of control your golf ball is super penal. If you miss, um, Augusta national, as we know is, is very wide, a lot of space off the tee, a lot of space to create, um, and, and very, be a very creative player and favors more of maybe a, a bomber's kind of mindset off the tee, especially with those par fives on the second nine. And, then you take in Scotty winning at, you know, Bay Hill where the rough is super thick. Augusta has barely any rough. He almost won the U S open last year. Um, he played well in Phoenix and then at the match play, like basically Scotty, we've seen him over the last year, um, succeed on a variety of venues, variety of tournaments, variety of formats. And I think really the, the big thing of, of how he's able to do that is it just a, a super well-rounded game, obviously. Um, and he's obviously just an, an incredible talent with, I think kind of that elite level of ball striking um, that you need to be there. I think he's like second in strokes gain off the tee. He's led the tour in greens and regulation um, this year and last year. And, but I think the thing that separates him is, is the scrambling and the short game. Um, you know, I think we've seen Scotty hit some wild shots here and there. We all hit them, um, but really it's the ability to kind of scramble and recover that I feel like is, is so key and not to compare him to tiger. Cause that's kind of a fool's errand, but um, like tiger, a uh, great ball striker, great iron player. But then when he makes a mistake, he doesn't compound it, maybe limits it to a bogey um, or saves par. And especially at TBC, we saw it, you know, he hold out for Eagle, um, a great flop shot. I was right behind him when he hit it. It was incredible. Uh, short-sighted green running away from him lands in the fringe, holds it out for Eagle on the second hole on Saturday. And then uh, he has that three shot lead at the, at the players. And he kind of comes out just kind of flat and, and guys are starting to make a move on the back nine, those birdie holes early on the back nine and, and guys are starting to come at him and he chips in on eight and it's the first of five consecutive birdies. And I think we're really starting to appreciate how great his short game is. And, and so when you look at that, I think then it kind of goes into the mental game and, and a big part of Scotty is sort of that um, ability to recover, doesn't spiral out of control, doesn't um, go down bad paths when he hits a bad shot, but instead just kind of, almost like Dustin Johnson, see ball, hit ball. He hits a shot and then he moves on and, and recovers. So Sean, hearing you talk about how Scotty plays, um, you know, you had that great Twitter thread kind of talking through, um, you know, Scotty's uh, mindset of how he plays golf, but also how he um, uses his faith um, to process a lot of competitive golf. Uh, walk us through kind of, um, you know, why you sent that out, what were some of your thoughts behind it and kind of what's, what conversations have happened since then? Yeah. I was kind of surprised how much traction it gained. Um, honestly, it was something that I had kind of sent out, uh, cause I had been thinking about it myself because, you know, a lot of Scotty and what he talked about when he won the masters that Sunday was sort of identity and identity, not being in your, your golf or your work. Um, and it's something that I had felt like I had struggled with this year, just in a very busy stretch of work personally. And, so I've been kind of reflecting on identity and, and Scotty really did speak so well about it after he won the masters uh, last year. And I sent it out just kind of 
Um, cause I was processing my own thoughts and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to send this out. Maybe it encourages some other people. And I was kind of surprised by the traction it gained. And especially, uh, having covered college golf at golf week a long time ago, uh, hearing from a lot of college golf coaches that sent them, send it to their team. Like you guys need to read this and try to learn something from this because, and Scotty is a great example. And, you know, I, I thought that, you know, Twitter isn't always a place where discussions about religion or, you know, go well, let's say. But um, I think with Scotty, because he has identified so openly about his faith in Christ um, and you really can't talk about who Scotty Scheffler is without talking about his faith. I think people just realized that it wasn't kind of forced upon them. And it was just kind of that when we're looking at Scotty Scheffler and how great he is, um, his faith plays a huge part in that. And it is the I- identity thing of, um, you know, Scotty said it himself that Sunday that he doesn't view himself as a golfer. Um, he views himself as a child of God. He views himself as a husband, as a, um, a son, as a brother. And I think that's so huge because, uh, when you don't identify as a golfer and your identity is not wrapped up in your golf score, you don't become unhinged by the bad golf and the bad shots. And one thing I wrote in there was, you know, you can look at yourself after a bad shot and think I'm a bad golfer, or you can think I'm a person who had a bad golf shot. And it sounds like a little thing, but it's really a huge difference because if you think I'm a bad golfer or, um, you start to get down on yourself because of your bad golf. Um, you start to just look at who that's who you are. I'm a bad golfer. That's my identity. And it's hard to change our identity. Um, but you think I'm a person who hit a bad golf shot. You're just like, well, you know what? I can become a person that hit a good golf shot on the next one. And what that does is just keeps us from catastrophizing. And it's something that, you know, I think we all can admit that we struggle with at times where you take one piece of information and you just keep going down the road of worst possible outcomes, worst possible scenarios. Like if you're a golfer, it's gosh, I just hit in the trees, man. I'm gonna make bogey. I'm going to shoot 75. I'm not going to travel or I'm going to miss the cut. I'm going to lose my card. How am I going to pay my mortgage? And it's like, if you're doing that on the 12th fairway, it's hard to come back from that. Whereas like, okay, man, I just hit it over there and now I got to find a way to get it out of there. And, um, I think just not going down that negative spiral that we so easily can is, is a big reason why, why Scotty is so successful. Mm. Yeah, and I love yeah, so good. like your your final tweet of the thread, which got about a quarter million views, like people you know, reading through it. Uh, you said Scotty's faith is not a means to an end; it's the core of his identity. And yeah, and that's a I think that's a big thing. I think sometimes people can look at faith as as that as like a, a crutch, let's say, or people just use it like, ah, uh, is being a Christian going to help me? play better golf then yeah sign me up let's go um and that's obviously not not the purpose um i mean that's your your god has to come first your love for christ has to come first the good golf is a byproduct of that and being a christian doesn't guarantee you're going to play better golf and that's not the point <laughs> it's yeah. to reconcile you to your god and to your savior and that's where i think scotty's authenticity about his faith is i think the way he talks about it people see that that it's not just yeah, Christ is like my assistant. He's my co-pilot. He helps me play golf. He's my second caddy on my shoulder. Um, his faith in Christ affects everything he does, affects how he views himself, how he treats others. Um, and so I think that's just so authentic that I think that's why um, why we've seen a, a positive reception to Scotty when he does talk about his faith and also the humility of what she does it. You know, you think about that Sunday press conference at Augusta National victory press conference. He's just become the master's champion. He's the number one player in the world. He's a man at the peak of his athletic achievement, peak of his strength. 
Um, we're celebrating him for this incredible achievement, this show of skill. Um, and what does Scotty do? You know, Scotty could aggrandize himself and talk about how great he is. And, but instead he talks about how he cried that morning and cried like a baby. And you can only do that when you don't take yourself so seriously. Let's say, you know, Scotty doesn't exude this alpha personality. He doesn't show this need to be the big guy, let's say. And I think a lot of that is the humility that comes from faith where Mm -hmm. when you, you know, ultimately, you know, you are imperfect, you know, you are a sinner in need of a savior. And so when you can admit to yourself that you are imperfect, you can admit to the world that as well. And you can reveal things like I was crying like a baby that morning. Yeah. And that's the thing that that makes Scotty different than so many other people is like he in, 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 in the world's eyes and just in our eyes, like has all the more reason to pump himself up and to be that alpha. Like he has done everything success wise to get there. You have to be able to do that. And he never The security does. in Christ gets rid of the insecurity. Mm-hmm. So, you yeah. know, why do we aggrandize ourselves? Usually it's often because we're very insecure. Yeah. Um, but I think Scotty really is a great example of when you have that security in Christ, um, you're not insecure. And so you can reveal vulnerable weak moments yeah. like crying because you're not afraid of what the reaction is going to be because your security is not in the, the, the emotion or the opinions of man it's in Christ. Yeah. And I think the, yeah. the, the biggest thing I want people that are listening, listening to, to understand from all this is that Scotty struggles with all of this stuff that we're talking about. It's not like he has it figured out. Uh, and he talks clearly about that too. He's like, when I'm on the course, I hit a bad, sh- bad shot. I'm very angry. But the way that I used to go about it was I would slam my clubs and I would do A, B, and C. But now through the Lord's work of the Holy Spirit in his heart, it isn't that. And I mean, for him, it's you know, it's produced like good golf, better golf for sure. Um, but then like our other good buddy, Webb Simpson, he's had a horrible last two years or like a bad for his his career. And he's in the same exact mindset as Scotty is right now. But there's so much freedom and there's peace. And I just don't want anybody to think that Scotty's got it all figured out because he doesn't. Um, yeah, he, he even said at the Players' Championship, he said, I actually struggle with anger a lot. I prepare to go out and play every round well, and I don't understand bad shots. I would get frustrated and I would get angry. Um, he says it's still internal versus external. So he, at least, I mean, and that's, you know, that's kind of progressive sanctification. You know, maybe I used to break a club or, or slam a club, and now it's internal. It's like, well, that, you know, the Bible is still that anger is still sin but keeping internal is still better than keeping external. Um, but even like his coach, Randy Smith said that he is, um, he has a great tendency to erase mistakes. And then I did quote in the thread, this book that I know um, Brad Payne, the president of CGF has gone through with a lot of guys on tour called a, I think it's a small book about um, a big problem and it's about anger. It's by the Christian counselor, Ed Welch. And the quote from there that I, I tweeted, which I cheating, I did not read the book. I would like to read it. I have not yet. I just found I Googled quotes from it. So it's a little inauthentic, (laughs) but I'll admit that here. It's a safe space. Um, But from the book, he says, what makes us so important that life must go according to our plans. When life throws an, when life throws us unexpected trouble, an arrogant person gets angry. Someone who realizes his insignificance responds if the Lord wills. And ultimately that's what Meredith Scotty's wife told him that Sunday morning was that God is in control here. And even, and you see it in the Netflix documentary, actually, right before Scotty sees off the first tee on Sunday at Augusta, 
um, Ted points to his shirt and I asked him after the round, what is that on his shirt? And his shirt says, God is in control. And I think one of the struggles that people have is, you know, if we put all our faith in Christ and God is sovereign, he's control of everything. Well, why should I do anything? Um, he's going to, he's figured out what's going to happen. Why should I get out of bed in the morning? And I think that actually Brad does a great job counseling guys on this of, you know, you're still called to steward the gifts you have well. So Scotty was gifted as a great golfer and he's called to work hard at it. He cares deeply about it. Um, if he loses a tournament, he's going to be upset about it. You know, he said in his press conference at the players that losing the tour championship where he lost a six shot lead on the last day, it made him sad and it took a while to overcome that. Um, but God's sovereignty helps us to recover, I think, more quickly from those setbacks when we trust him, but it doesn't exempt us from the need to work hard and to um, to make the most of the gifts that we were given. I think Scotty exudes that well because he cares deeply, but he doesn't lose his mind when things go poorly. And also, frankly, also doesn't change much when things go well. Um, you know, that was the big story last year. He was still driving the GMC Yukon with 100,000 miles on it. And, you know, he said many times that, you know, especially with his friendship with Sam Burns, that our life is going to look the same, whether we're a hundredth in the FedEx cup or first in the FedEx cup, we share a house with our wives. We play board games. Like we're not, um, these golf tournaments aren't ultimate things. So the things that come with it, the money, the fame, the whatever, isn't an ultimate thing either. So it's nice and it's great. And, you know, praise God for it, but it's not going to change my life because it's not what's most important. Yeah. And that's, that's such a great point that Scotty was making that his life's going to look the same. Sam Burns, life is going to look the same, whether they're number one or a hundredth on the FedEx cup, you know? And I don't know if that's their illustration of rock bottom, but you know, maybe that's their <laughs> understanding of it. Um, just messing with them on that. <laughs> So many guys that when you talk about being satisfied in the Lord, your identity being fully secure, whether you are the number one golfer in the world or working a different job and struggling. Um, there's a lot of guys out there. If we stay in the the golf realm, uh, there's guys that have lost their tour card playing the corn Ferry tour. There's guys, um, you know, that have been world beaters in college and then lost their game or struggle on the mini tours uh, that, you see them struggle, not play the, the golf that they're capable of, yet they have this peace about them because they know that their identity is secure, that ultimately they, they don't have to get to the PGA Tour to justify their existence. Well, and, and it evens out, yeah, it evens out the highs and the lows. And, yeah. you know, it's funny, I'm a big baseball fan, and the baseball commissioner caught flack, I think it was last year, for calling the World Series trophy a hunk of metal. Um, but I think in some ways it, it does that with even a major championship trophy. Um, it's a wonderful thing and it's such a blessing and it's the result of hard work and years of toil and all these things. But I mean, you can't take it to the grave, right? You go, you're going to go to the grave naked like the rest of us. Um, and I think it helps give that perspective that, you know, this is a great thing, but it's not the ultimate thing. And um, there's a, a guy on tour who he won a major and, you know, Brad saw him the week later and he goes, you know, how is it? How has it been? How are you doing? You know, what's it like now that you've won this major? And he goes, man, it's sick, but I am just thinking about the next one. And there's that famous Tom Brady interview where I think uh, he talks about, I think he has five rings. Sorry, I'm not a huge three, uh, football guy. And he's like still thinking about the six. I think it's a, a Rockefeller quote of how much money is enough. And he goes, 
always a little bit more. And, you know, I think we can watch golf and like, man, if I won the masters, I would be set. I would be so happy. I'd be so fulfilled. Um, but Scotty and, um, people who, uh, I think share his faith in Christ and identity in Christ. Ultimately we all know, and even people who've experienced those things, we all know that those things don't actually ultimately satisfy. Um, they may briefly, um, but it's really brief. And that's why that major champion can say, man, I'm just thinking about the next one (laughs) a week after winning the U S open. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, so two things, I mean, immediately following up on that. I mean, God's word is so clear on that. Like we could go anywhere. I immediately think of Matthew six, where it literally says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For and then for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I mean, like these trophies that these guys have, these things that we have, it's lit, they're all literally just going to be dust at some point. They literally well, are just, and I can, but like, can you name the 1950 U.S. Open champion? Can you name the 1970, 1980, 1990 U.S. Open champion? These are guys who in the time the 1913, were you know Francis you we met. Attaboy. All right. You're, you're, that's not my point. No, but, um, <laughs> that's the only one. I don't know. That but dude. the point, you know, who won the 1987 U.S. Open, let's say. But the point being that yeah. at that moment, at that week, these guys were at the height of their career, height of their sport, height of their profession. And 10 years later, people don't know who they are. I, you know, I've said this before on the Friday podcast of, I think you see it a lot when a famous person passes away and they've done all these amazing things that we could never even dream of seen things we could never imagine seeing huge houses, been places we could never be. They pass away, you know, some of the most famous people, let's say in the world at their time and the world mourns them for a week, maybe. maybe. Yeah. And then it's on to the next thing. And so it's, it sounds morbid, but I think it gives a good perspective of man, how quickly that stuff just goes away. And I, yeah. Life goes on. That's just, that's yeah. literally, but so then the other story, I just want to say this cause I think it's a neat little story is to show just kind of the whole picture of Scotty and then we can kind of move on to some other stuff to wrap it up. Cause I know, uh, let's talk, we'll talk about Gordon Sargent. He's playing in the masters special invite. That's pretty cool. But final story on Scotty is, uh, before he play is playing in the masters, he committed to doing a fundraiser, uh, for CGF like Tuesday following the masters. I think it was Tuesday. May have been Monday. I think it was Tuesday though. And he goes on and he wins the masters. And so um, any normal person who goes and does that is going to look at his next two weeks and say, Hey, I won the masters. I'm sorry. Like I have to readjust. And Scotty won the masters. And then he looked at his next two weeks and he said, what commitments do I have? And then he said, I'm going to keep doing those. And then he flies back to Dallas and two days later, he's literally out at this golf course with some supporters. Because well, I think that's where you can exalt yourself and say, "Hey, I'm the Masters champion. I don't have to do this anymore." Exactly. Or you can, or you can say, "You know what? Like, I'm still the same person who's still called um, to account to be accountable um, mm-hmm. and to be a man of my word." And so, whether or not I won the Masters, I still want to be a man of my word. And that's the difference between aggrandizing yourself and exalting yourself, or humbling yourself. Yeah, and that's kind of what what. What I wanted to you know paint a picture of is he could have done either one, and I mean honestly, kind of could have been justified in either. Like, hey guys, we under, we understand you just won the Masters, but he's like, no, I committed to this, I'm going to do it. So that's just pretty cool. So Scotty, if you ever listen to this, thanks, buddy. Um, yeah, <laughs> Toby, keep us going. 
Okay, so special invite this year uh, for Vanderbilt's Gordon Sargent and CGF staffer William Kane is going to be caddying for him at the tournament. And so we're all excited to see how Gordon does. Um, give us kind of some insight into that, maybe the, the invite and what to look for following Gordon Sargent next week. Yeah, I think it's kind of crazy because it's the first special invite of an amateur since 2000 when Aaron Baddeley won the Australian Open as an amateur. And even that one kind of fell in line with Augusta does do special invitations of international players um, because it is a kind of global field. Um, but so I think when Augusta puts their stamp of approval on something, which I think they did by with, you know, inviting Gordon Sargent, I think it really communicates something. Um and you've seen it in the last few weeks. So I went uh, to the John Haight intercollegiate in February uh, to watch him play and do a story on him. Um, Cause he's also in line to possibly even by as soon as may uh, get the PJ tour accelerated program and get enough points where he's guaranteed a PJ tour card. He could either take it immediately or it's just whenever he does turn pro it's there waiting for him, which is a nice, <laughs> nice wow. benefit to have. Um but we get there and, you know, PJ tour entertainment. Also we're filming a video thing, all this stuff for, for master's week. And so uh, I think the assistant Gator Todd drives up in an SUV pulls out and like immediately there's like three cameras on Gordon, just doing a day in the life type thing where he's pulling his bag out. Then he's on the putting green. There's three cameras he's on the driving range. Uh, a kid from Furman was hitting balls next to him. He's like discreetly filming all this on his iPhone. Uh, just the hubbub <laughs> around Gordon Sargent because you know, a freshman wins the NCAA championship. It's a huge deal. But when Augusta says you're so good that we're going to um, go out of our way to get you into this tournament, I think people recognize that and like, well, I need to see this kid. If Augusta national thinks so highly of him, obviously I need to uh, hold him in the same esteem. And, you know, he's a very impressive player. I talked to William for the story that we'll have on PJ um, probably Monday of masters week. And, he also caddied for Gordon at the U S amateur and Gordon shot 74 in the first round was kind of on the cut line and, um, comes out the next day. There's no panic. Uh, you know, there's no, you know, gosh, I just won the NCAA. I don't want to miss the cut at the U S amateur. What am I doing? And he said he put on the most impressive driving display he's ever seen. And William caddied for Webb Simpson from 2008, 2010. They played with DJ. They played with Rory. And he, uh, he said, Gordon hit 13 to 14 fairways, Averaged 360 off the tee four times. He had sandwich from the middle of the fairway to like holes that were over 500 yards. Shot 65 on a day when the scoring average was 75 and missed medalist by one. And he said it was just incredible, uh, incredible driving performance. Everyone talks about the length. Uh, you know, Gordon's not a big guy, but just is has the fast muscles to have Jace Barber length off the tee. Um, and then you throw in some really incredible touch. Uh, uh, JC, well, the coach of Alabama talks about Gordon first came to Alabama golf coach or golf camp when he was nine. And uh, Gordon steps up with a little cut down. Vokey hits this like nippy kind of two bounce uh, and check uh, chip shot right next to the green. And, and Jay just goes, do you want to teach golf camp? Um, <laughs> so you got a guy who's really long off the tee, good touch around the greens and, and a great putter. And it's a good combination. And I mean, you hear, I've heard people say he's the best collegiate player since John Rahm. I've heard, um, other longtime amateurs say he's the best amateur they've ever seen. And, you know, wouldn't be surprised to see him finish in the top 20. So it'd be really interesting. Um, seems to be really balanced emotionally. That's something William talked about. William yeah. knows that Vandy team really well. He does Bible studies every Thursday with them. And, um, he's just, 
he doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low, and and it'll be really interesting to see him how he handles the situation because he has not played a PJ Tour event, I'm pretty sure. So the Masters is a pretty good first one, and he's gotten some really good advice. I think Webb uh, has talked to him, and uh, some of that was early in the week, just play with the biggest names you possibly can, and that just helps get some of the pressure out. So play with Rory, play with Rom, play with um scotty scheffler and i I think that's one of the goals there to help kind of make going into the week a little bit easier but obviously a really impressive talent uh really well composed on the golf course and it's gonna be really fun to watch so how many points is he at currently like on the pga tour you do you know so i think he's at 11 i think playing in the masters will get him to 12 making the cut is like another point so that would be 13 but the big one really is it's three points per player of the year award, the Hogan, the Haskins and the Nicholas and the player of the year race has actually gotten really tight between Gordon Ludwig Aberg has just won his last two starts. Michael Thorbjornsson is up there as well. So it's less, it's going to be harder to do now, but really if he swept all three awards, which happens a decent amount, um, if a guy can kind of separate himself from the rest of the the pack, um, if he swept all three awards, he would hit the threshold. Yeah, But then you throw in, there will be um, points for the Walker Cup, which I'm sure he's already got his flight booked to St. Andrews for that. There's points for getting in the U.S. Open um, and, and other accomplishments. So, yeah. you know, even if he can if he can win, especially two of those awards, he's in really good shape to, I would think, probably hit that threshold. Yeah, so if, if, if he just, you know, his dark horse wins the Masters, you think that helps? Well, that gets him immediately on tour. He would probably <laughs> turn pro. No doubt. So that's the easiest route. So do that. Come on, Gordon. Do that. Just, just do that. That's awesome. Yeah, William was saying that on their scouting trip to Augusta, they rained the day before. It was pretty wet, and on number two, he hit driver seven iron. So that's a par five for our listeners yeah, and for yeah. Toby, who's never been there. <laughs> yeah, driver seven iron. And guys are generally hitting you know high irons or you know low. I irons. mean, Louis. When Louis says he made albatross, he hit two iron. Yeah. And it was wet, and he had driver seven iron. Maybe, so maybe four iron, but yeah, I can't wait to watch that. That's gonna be awesome. Okay, so to wrap up um, this kind of Masters preview uh, recording with Sean Martin, Sean, we'll we'll do some rapid fire questions, uh, which were not prepared beforehand. So get ready. Um, first one would be: You've got to serve your champions dinner. Ooh, you know, Sean Martin's the twenty twenty three. Masters champion, it's 2024. What's on your menu for the for the um, dinner? That's a great question. I think don't, don't wasn't stall, it somebody that don't stall rapid fire. <laughs> I would probably just go. I mean, a really good steak. Yeah, but like appetizer. What you got for appetizer? Can we go? Didn't someone go sushi and steak a little bit, like kind of a surf and turf? I think somebody did that. Maybe Tiger did. That's nice. What about dessert? Any special dessert? Maybe like a nice creme brulee, just something light Ooh. to finish off the meal. Nice. <laughs> Love that. Okay, next the, one the is... Wine, the wine would have to be from uh, Central California, San Luis Obispo County. Always have to go back to my roots. <laughs> Love that. Nice. Uh, next one is you have $10 to go, to go buy food while you're at the Masters. What are you getting? Uh, $5 of it on egg salad, $5 of it on pimento cheese. There you go. Balanced. And for yeah, those that don't know, both. they're really one and one a, I, uh, it's, 
it's basically wonder bread. It's so bad for you, but, um, it really like the pimento cheese. I think it's a bad rap. The pimento cheese and egg salad are, are really good. I actually didn't realize the pimento cheese is really just more of a dip, uh, for like crackers and chips and stuff. So really just putting it in a sandwich is just an interesting maneuver. I guess it's just like a cheese <laughs> sandwich, but it is really good. I, I only eat it that week of the year, but it's really good. It's called tradition. But for those of you who do not know the masters does not, uh, they are not affected by inflation. It, it just stays the same. So $10 at the Players' Championship will get you a Michelob Ultra. And $10 at the Masters is going to get you a sandwich and a cookie and uh, a drink probably, and oh, yeah. something extra. Maybe, maybe two sandwiches. Yeah, no, yeah, for now, sure. For now, sure. the merchandise tent, you know, that's yeah, you can't. Yeah, you can't take $10, yeah, you can't take $10 <laughs> in there and expect to come I, out with I asked someone at a register, I think, you know, kind of what they felt like the average was. I think the average was like, it was like a couple thousand dollars a person in merchandise. Yeah. And it goes, it, it does add up fast. Um, you know, you go, cause you can only get it at Augusta national. So you're picking it up for your neighbor, for your cousin, yeah. for your uncle, for your yeah. boss, for, you know, your third cousin once removed and it, it adds up fast. Yeah. yeah. I'm telling my family, if you want something from the merchandise shop, it's gotta be in my Venmo before I buy it. So um, question for you. What is the most underrated hole at Augusta? Mm. Uh, I would say they've actually done a really good job with five. It's kind of a cool area back there. Um, they lengthened the tee, and then they kind of, you, now you can kind of get back behind that tee and watch guys tee off. Um, I think it's a cool spot back there. Just 14 is, is kind of gets overlooked because it's between 13 and 15, but it's a great place to see. It's just a great spot. Cause you can really kind of from 14, you can watch 13 green. You can, if you're in the right spot on 14, you can watch 13 green 14 guys hitting second shots in the 15. It's a good spot to be. Mm. Love yeah. That. I can't wait to see the 14th green. That's always intrigued me. It's wild. And then final, wow. final question is if you could take, you know, we, we, we always do the foursome dream foursome, but we're just going to say Augusta, yeah, one week from Sunday at the tournament, and you can take three buddies or three historical figures. Who are you taking to go play the following Sunday of the Masters? Tiger. I can answer for you. I think it's Tiger, Corey Connors, and John. <laughs> <laughs> that would be my son John, uh, who is a Corey Connors fan. Big. I would. Corey I Connors that would be a great one. We might we might stick to the par three or par three course then. Um. <laughs> He's only six. It'd be a long walk, but I, I would go for that. No, give us your final <laughs> two. That was great, Toby, but I want to hear the actual. Yeah, we're still waiting oh, on your actual actually, answer. John John would rather play with Rory. Oh, nice. How about Tiger, Rory, and my son, John? I love that. That's sweet. There you go. All right. Or did he trade you for Rory? <laughs> <laughs> Dad, you can caddy. <laughs> That's so good. Well, Sean, thank you so much for just being on the pod. Um, you're such a great friend of the ministry. You're a great friend to us. Um, we're thankful for you and looking forward to some of the articles that have coming out. The one on Monday of the Masters on Gordon. Uh, can't wait to read about a little bit of Willie Kane on there. That's exciting. Good pod. Thanks for being on. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Sean. All right. I got to bounce. See you, gentlemen. Car now, Toby.
Thanks for taking the time to listen to the Golf Life Faith Podcast. Whether you're a college golfer, a coach, or you just love golf, we'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions, please email us at podcast at collegegolffellowship.com. Also, check us out on Instagram at collegegolffellowship and on Twitter at CGFTweet. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and be on the lookout for the next episode next month. Cheers.